0: Hi, witches, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt. And Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. Gather around the cauldron because in honor of the Halloween season, we're brewing up a magical episode to celebrate our favorite witches and warlocks. Not only will we be discussing the long-awaited Sanderson sister sequel, Hocus Pocus 2, along with recipes for some bewitching brews to sip while you watch, But also, we'll share which fictional spellcasters we'd choose to join our cozy coven. But before we hop on our brooms, let's gaze into our crystal ball to see what's cozy in the news. Hmm, the crystal ball is showing me something I learn but keep forgetting that Robin Lively, star of the 80s movie, is the sister of Blake Lively. (laughs) Always forget that. Thank you for ball. Wait, it's telling me more. More about Robin. It's showing me an Us Weekly article in which Robin Lively recalls performing her teen witch dance at her sister Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds' 2012 wedding. Anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I was with it. I was riveted.
0: While I do love that Robin used her sister's wedding as an opportunity to remind everyone of a movie that she starred in 20 years prior, <laughs> What I love the, even more is the movie Teen Witch. And I honestly just wanted to share this light bit of witch-adjacent news as a way to tell people to go watch it if you haven't. There's a full rap sequence with a song called Top That that <laughs> truly cannot be topped. It was actually made with the intention of being kind of the uh, female counterpart to Teen Wolf. I really enjoy this movie. I try to watch it every year if I can. And I thought it, I thought it was cute that she like you know, did her little famous dance she does at the end of the movie um, for her sister, which apparently that's like her favorite movie of hers that she did. But there's also something a little funny about it being kind of like, <laughs> yeah. look at me. But, you know, actors.
1: <laughs> yeah. And those lively sisters know how to have a good time. There's yeah. a lot of them, I think. I also read that there might be a, a, a reboot in the works. Mm-hmm. There was one that fell through. And then Robin teased that something might be. Going yeah, I, it's one
0: of those things. I could definitely see them rebooting it. I could yeah. see them making a whole TV show out of it. It's it's solid material.
1: Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, I, I wish I had a little dance. I could have done my sister's wedding, <laughs> <laughs> frog dance. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Some hop, I just hop around.
1: I don't have a a crystal ball, but I'm going to use my psychic powers <laughs> and make prediction that uh, McDonald's might be bringing back its coveted halloween trick-or-treat pails
0: yes that's huge news of true
1: it is it is big news it's all rumors it's kind of weird this is a, a rumor um, that we have to do a deep dive investigation into but mashed did a great investigation into this viral uh thread basically that someone got leaked info from McDonald's, that they will be bringing back these pails. And if you're not familiar, in the '80s and '90s, there's these little buckets that they put the Happy Meals in during Halloween time. So it'd be a pumpkin, uh, a witch, and, or a ghost, and they're just they're smiley, they're cute, they're adorable. And then you, the best part of it was you could repurpose it for mm-hmm. when you were trick or treating and just keep it as a collector's item, if you if you will. <laughs> so there's a rumor that it might be coming back, either October fourth or October 18th. So we'll see if my prediction comes true.
0: I really hope <laughs> it does. Great. I've seen this rumor circulating as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of the materials don't look authentic, like the mm. little posts. But I could honestly see this becoming almost a thing of like the McDonald's feels pressured into doing it, like making I the rumor that. come true. I hope it is because I really loved my Little Halloween Buckets. I wish I had held on to them. I don't know what happened to them. I think they kind of just, they, you know, they fall apart. They get old. We used to keep our cleaning supplies in, I think, one of the witch buckets.
1: Oh, that's cute.
0: But nice I always love them. They're just like, yeah. they're, they're so cheerful looking. And I am excited about it, but I'm also not looking forward to having to buy Happy Meals just to get a bucket. <laughs> that's
1: true. That's, that's, <laughs> the, that's the dark part about it. You'd actually yeah. have to buy McDonald's. I don't hate on McDonald's. It hits a spot sometimes. I I used to like their fish fillet back in the day. Give me a (laughs) little (laughs) fillet. I want them to bring back the monopoly. That was fun.
0: Yeah, it was fun, but I I never felt like I was even close to winning.
1: And then I think I I think they did unravel that it was some big Ponzi scheme. But that's neither here nor there. That's another time.
0: Thank you, Jillian, for that prediction. We'll see. We'll see if Jillian's prognostication is correct soon enough. So before we dive into discussing the latest adventures of the Sanderson sisters. We thought we would honor a few of our other favorite witches in film, television, and literature by crafting our own cozy covens. (laughs) There doesn't seem to be much agreement on how many witches make a coven, though the most popular number is 12, plus the devil as a leader (laughs) making 13, but we don't have time for that. So we're going to limit our covens to a cozy three or four, including us, since if that's all the Sanderson sisters need, it's good enough for us. Agreed. I'll start. To preface, something I realized putting together my coven is that it's full of learners. I don't think I could stomach having witches who are too confident or certain, um, as I feel that it leads to hubris and overall bad vibes. So <laughs>
1: very fitting. I like all that. All my
0: witches are comfortable with trying and failing.
1: I like the theme.
0: I'll share my first pick, and then we're gonna, I'm going to kick it over to Jillian to reveal a member of her coven. The first member of my coven would be Miss Eglantine Price, played Mm -hmm. by Angela Lansbury in the Disney musical Bedknobs and Broomsticks. First of all, this movie is just so cozy. Set in the English countryside, a.k.a. Buena Vista Studios. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing can stop uh, the persistent Miss Price when she sets her mind to it. And I like how the perfect is never the enemy of the good for her. And really, wouldn't you want somebody who can single-handedly defeat a Nazi invasion?
1: That's a great choice. The persistency, using the powers for good. Keep on keep on keeping the good fight going.
0: It's a way to get Angela Lansbury on my team. Yeah. You know, she can also maybe solve some murders, too, while she's at it. So
1: Perfect combo. <laughs> Can't go wrong. I think it's funny how themes emerge in our covens. I don't know if you went about... Did you go looking for a theme? No, the theme I just realized
0: just after I made the selections and I was really thinking about it more deeply that they had that in common.
1: I guess my coven's full of older, solid broads. <laughs> <I didn't realize
0: laughs> That's how, a theme.
1: I was skewing older.
0: So who's your first older, solid broad?
1: And Dora, um, Agnes Moorhead from Bewitched.
0: Sassy. Yeah, no, <laughs> And
1: see all of my picks are really sassy and, and spicy and mischievous. Mm hmm. And, funny. And so I like uh, all, all my witches play tricks on people and they're foiling p- other people and Endora um, is always foiling Darren and she's consistently trying to break up Darren and Samantha because Darren doesn't want Samantha to use her powers. So, and Darren and Endora have just the most hilarious um, rapport and uh, she's just cool, calm and collected and just burning him all the time and playing the best tricks on him. And she has the most fabulous outfits. Her looks are mm-hmm. incredible. The caftans, out of this world.
0: Oh, the caftans!
1: Amazing. And then this, oh, this really electric blue eyeshadow, overdone, and it's just, just in- incredible, and makes me laugh. And she doesn't stand for, for no nonsense. And the fact that she, you know, wanted Samantha to use her, her powers because we look reflect on it. It's like, oh, that's kind of little shady even though samantha wanted to fit in and be quote-unquote normal it's really darren leading the charge on that he doesn't want anything to do with magic but she breaking down his door sometimes you know, literally to bring magic into that house that's a lot yeah. about her.
0: she's very strong and she knows what she wants and yes she is hilarious and a little scary like you don't want to be on the True. wrong end of andora
1: no you do not so great first pick i think you're going to see how my coven is <laughs> definitely seen, <laughs> senior citizens in the best way possible.
0: On the opposite end of that spectrum, I have a young member of my coven named Hermione Granger. God Although said. she wouldn't be, she'd be our age now.
1: I think she is, yeah.
0: I guess, you know, as a fictional character, she's a she's a student. Honestly, I know as a millennial, I bring up Harry Potter way too much, but I decided it wouldn't be honest of me to pretend that she wouldn't be my first draft pick really, (laughs) because I inherently would feel more comfortable and confident knowing that she's on my side because I, she's just so, so smart and clever. She's an intellectual with a knack for strategy and research. And I know that our coven would make very informed decisions with her in it. As much as I want to be cool and like, not, you know, do obvious Harry Potter characters, (laughs) I don't know why I need to perform being a hipster for all of you, but <laughs> I know that authentically I'd have to pick Hermione Granger to be one of my three.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you are in an emergency or any situ- precarious situation, you want Hermione by your side. Yes. She, she's also She You cannot rock that woman. No. <laughs> and she doesn't take
0: crap. She stays strong in the face of a lot of crazy stuff. So she I really, really think actually she would be the spine of the group. For sure. She's
1: she's like she reminds me of you in that way that you're you're the anchor you are keeping the ship afloat.
0: That's really wonderful and kind of you to say, but I'm definitely way more of a coward than Hermione Granger.
1: <laughs> it's there. Her Who's inner, your second choice, Julian? Um, mine is Hecky Cromwell, Debbie Reynolds from Halloween Town.
0: <laughs> Excellent choice.
1: Yeah, and Debbie and Agnes were actually good friends in, in real life so we have a friendship in this coven that's already there which is great and they seem so different so i find it funny that they were really close in in real life but um so that was a cute connection but i like aggie for kind of the same reasons that i like Endora. is that the beginning of halloween town starts with aggie popping into what? what's the, the family name of their house
0: in Halloween Town.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't remember character names from that movie. <laughs> so I
1: should have jotted it down. All
0: I, honestly, all I remember from Halloween Town, I mean, I've, I've seen the movie a lot. Yeah, um, same. But I remember
1: those are the names.
0: It, the character <laughs> names don't, aren't like the top of mind. I honestly just think <laughs> of Debbie of Reynolds my- and I think of a big pumpkin in a town square. That's like the first things that come to mind. Also, a, a skeleton cabbie.
1: Yeah, a skeleton cabbie
0: the character names of the Normie family. I'll know. just
1: say the Normie family.
0: <laughs> and so... I guess okay. they're magical, ultimately, but they kind of they kind of come to us as kind of normal, like, conduits for us as viewers to join in and marvel at this crazy world.
1: So it's the same kind of setup with Samantha and Dora. Aggie and her daughter lives a quote-unquote normal life, and she doesn't mm-hmm. want anything to do with magic. And Aggie is really upset, will not stand for it and wants her granddaughter to be a witch and harness those powers. And so I like that, that stubbornness, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that spice, that that flair, because Aggie also has some one liners and she doesn't take, you know what either. Yes. Yeah. So, and she's also really cuddly and an adorable grandma at the same time. So it's the perfect marriage of qualities.
0: Yeah. She's very sweet and nurturing, when she needs to be, but she mm-hmm. also has that edge.
1: So, who is your last pick?
0: My coven needed an emotional core, needed somebody to bring that sincerity and sense of camaraderie and friendship. And so, my final selection for my coven is Willow Rosenberg from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm-hmm. who is a solid friend. She is funny, shy, and sweet. Um, she's a computer nerd, which I love. And she's also a skilled witch. So, I, I feel like as long as we make sure that nothing happens to Willow's girlfriend and we don't get dark Willow, we'll be in good shape.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be honest here and probably shock a few people to say I've never seen the show.
0: That doesn't shock me. (laughs) (laughs) It would shock me more if I like to imagine you watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like you're you're settling in.
1: I guess so. I don't know why I thought me I don't know why people would I thought that would shock people. But yeah, I guess (laughs) in not so shocking events. I haven't watched the show. But I do know that story story storyline, obviously.
0: Every lesbian is like born with that like coded in their brain. Yeah,
1: I I think so. I think that's how
0: it works. There (laughs) aren't that many, especially back then, it was like so you know, revolutionary to have a lesbian plot so central to a popular TV show.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: And we got some very scary Dark Willow scenes. She was very powerful and very destructive. But most of the time, Willow is a supportive, hardworking, true friend. She's she's Buffy's bestie. I, I hope would be our bestie, too, um, in this coven.
1: That's a great coven, Matt. Each witch has its own special qualities, but... I think strength is also the unifying, outside of intelligence too.
0: Yeah, they're resilient. There's a resiliency to, to my selections, and so are yours. I think I think that's just a quality to a lot of, you know, which characters, which is these are outspoken, strong women. They don't take any guff.
1: No, and they're sassy.
0: Your selections, especially, <laughs> yeah, they have they have no uh, patience for fools. So
1: they don't. Yeah. Give us,
0: give us your final addition to your coven, Julian?
1: Well, this one's an outlier, maybe a little funny or funky. I don't know. But so when Matt tasked us to put together our covens, I'll be honest, I didn't have a list of witches ready to go. I had to kind of revisit and walk back through my life. I remember I loved Bewitched and I loved Endorse. That was easy. Angela Ann's very Angel and Bunsbury, sorry, Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> kind of all, all my all my all the all the best broads I'm mixing up. Um <laughs> so that was easy as well, Halloween Town. And then I was I did my research on this, and the one big reason why I picked this um which Julian Holroyd, Kim was play by Kim Novak, and the Bell Book and Candle. Uh, there's this great scene uh, where she's Because the the main plot of it is she's trying to have um, this publisher of New York City uh, fall in love with her, and she puts a spell on him. And when she's putting the spell on him, there's this amazing, incredible shot where she's holding her purring Siamese cat, and their eyes are lining up, and they both have bright blue eyes. And she's putting this incantation on her desired lover. And it's just like a really incredible scene. So I was very taken by that. But she goes into the persistent quality. She's going above and beyond to make this man fall in in, in love with her, which probably wouldn't play well thematically today. It's an an older movie. But yeah, she's also wacky, a a spitfire, and, and she knows what she wants. So, and she has a really cute cat. So that's why I chose her.
0: I was so excited when I saw this choice because I love the movie Bell, Book and Candle. And I, it's such a great film for anyone listening mm-hmm. who hasn't seen it. Highly recommend taking the time to find it and watch it. I know at this time of year, it's often on Turner Classic Movies. If you have that um, on your cable plan <laughs> or whatever. Cable. It is a tricky one to find sometimes too, because it goes in and out a little bit of being being accessible on streaming unfortunately. What I li- what I like about that character is she has a a mischievous kind of mm-hmm. quality to her where she always is one step ahead of everyone. Mm-hmm. Especially when she's catching feelings and having this romance it, which is surprising her in lots of ways too. That evolution of her character is interesting to watch. So I like this as a as a choice because it it does highlight a movie that's really good that not enough people have seen.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's some amazing clips on YouTube if you want to just get a feel for it, see if you want to invest the full hour and in, in, in change. But just aesthetically, it's really incredible, too. Like, her apartment is so cozy and, mm-hmm. and eclectic oh, yeah. and, and different. So I think that's why I was really, really drawn to it, just the vibes that she has going on. I, I really like.
0: Great choices. We should combine our covens, I think. We should. Into one super all-things-cozy coven.
1: Yeah, I like that.
0: And they all got to listen to us. <laughs> I was, <laughs> no, was going to say, not. we
1: were going to be the wackies, I bet.
0: I know. <laughs> we're the, we're, the, we're, the, we're the, the comedic relief on our own covens. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually, I would not run my coven that way. It would be a democratic process. We would all mm-hmm. be on the same level. You wouldn't I, be I, it, every decision would be a, a joint decision. Important for me to make that clear. Yeah. <laughs> not lead it, we're not leading any cults.
1: We're not Satan.
0: In, in other facets of our lives, yes. But in this scenario, no. Well, speaking of of films that we love and and characters that we love, let's dive into our main topic for today, which is Hocus Pocus 2. Yay. The witches are back. Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimy reprised their roles as Winifred, Mary, and Sarah Sanderson in the sequel to Kitty Cult Classic turned Halloween behemoth, Hocus Pocus 2. In Hocus Pocus 2... Salem teenagers Becca, played by Whitney Peake, and Izzy, played by Melissa Escobedo, continue their Halloween tradition of performing a magic ritual in the woods, even though they're missing one member of their coven, their friend Cassie, played by Lila Buckingham, who chose to party with her new boyfriend. The ritual takes a left turn when they accidentally resurrect the Sanderson sisters by lighting a candle gifted to them by Old Salem Magic Shop owner Gilbert Sam Richardson, that turns out to be a recreation of the black flame candle. The witches run A amok, 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 as the exact revenge on the town of Salem, specifically targeting Cassie's dad, Mayor Trask, played by Tony Hale, the descendant of the Reverend who tried to separate them as children. Can Becca and Izzy repair their friendship with Cassie and save her dad from being cursed? We'll find the answer we'll if we watch Hocus Focus 2, which we did. <laughs> We're going to talk about the movie and our thoughts. We're going to share what we liked and didn't like in as vague a way as possible. Just so that if you haven't seen it, you can, you know, enjoy it without us ruining it for you. But we will refer to a little bit to the feelings that the film gave us and and reference some things about, like, the themes of it. Which, you know, I, I guess, I don't think it's a spoiler, really. I, I, but it does kind of give you a sense of where the, the movie is heading. It's also, let's be honest, this is not uh, Citizen Kane. So, <laughs> the, neither <laughs> yeah. the original or the sequel. So, you kind of know what you're getting, right, if mm-hmm. you're watching Hocus Pocus. I'm a huge Hocus Pocus fan. I just, I was one of those kids... Who I was five when the movie came out originally. That movie bombed Hocus Pocus in the theaters. And I was at that right age in middle school when it was playing on Disney Channel every Halloween season. And when you discover that movie at the right age, in the right kind of low stakes way, it really blows you away. And it became like, you know, something that I really love to watch every single year. I'm a huge Hocus Pocus fan. So you can imagine my excitement when there was a sequel announced and we're getting the original team back together for a sequel. So let's talk about our thoughts on the film, what we liked, maybe what we didn't like as much as well and our overall feelings. So Jillian, what did you like about Hocus Pocus two or what are some things that resonated with you as you're watching?
1: Yeah, well I watched Hocus Pocus with my mom, which was a funny experience. You're talking about when we were younger, really hitting at the right time. And I think the reason why it hit so hard for me was because it was unlike anything I'd ever seen, it had more adult themes Mm -hmm. and it was zany.
0: Yeah. It's, it really is like a live action cartoon with some really clever zingers and some fun slapstick physical comedy Mm -hmm. for the time, some pretty impressive special effects and characters you cared about. Like, I mean, you, especially the relationship in the original between Max and Danny, the brother and sister, they really sold that relationship. And as a viewer, you get invested in it and you really wanted them to not be the victim of these witches. And they also, I think in the original, do a great job of selling the threat of the witches because you get they start off with killing a kid. Generally, so. Yeah, no, that was generally
1: <laughs> terrifying. Even to yeah. this day, I kind of... Now I have to walk out of the room like, what, what happened to me? But uh, yeah, it, it just is... It's very terrifying. So you had mentioned jokes. And as one of the, the strong tenets of the... the Original film, and I I thought that it did a good job here of really nailing some jokes, especially when it came to Tony Hale's performance as Mere Trace. Trace, kind of pronounce that. I remember, that was a lot of a lot of fun. I laughed a lot when he had he came home to um, Cassie's party that she threw uh, because he, you know he found out about it from the two other girls. And so when he comes home, he finds the Sanderson sisters in the garage. One little line where uh, he's just talking to himself about the party and the remarking on the Sanderson sisters. And he says, hmm, an older crowd than I had expected. (laughs) And And that really genuinely made me laugh. There's so many great moments from him. And I think he played that character really well.
0: Yeah, I did like his singular focus on getting a candy apple from this woman who was on good morning America. (laughs) I think a lot of the comedy played Mm -hmm. and the bigness of the acting of, you know, Bette, Sarah and Kathy, obviously they carried that forward, but also everyone else kind of matched it. I really Mm -hmm. loved the performances of Sam Richardson, who was um, the old Salem magic shop owner, Gilbert uh, Gilbert. In the beginning, there's a flashback to the, the sisters as children and those young actors did an incredible job of capturing you could tell they really did their homework and mm-hmm. memorized every minute mannerism uh from the original and they were so fun to watch their commitment and energy to the characters it makes me i i could really see a spin off of like a cartoon series or something with just like the, the young sanderson sisters like i could see that happening from that
1: yeah and it's a tall order to mm-hmm. get all the mannerisms and just the pressure to take on these characters, which are so beloved and to do them justice. I, I imagine that you're probably really nervous and mm-hmm. I hope that the reception is positive. Cause I know sometimes child actors, you know, can be, be hit, or, hit or miss and some people are kind of iffy on that. I think there was some, you know, debate over whether they should have gone that far back in time. But like you said, I think they, they really nailed it. They did a good job and you could tell they were also having a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, and that that fun came through. I think especially my favorite scene was early on when they, Becca and Izzy, who bring the sisters back, try to satiate their hunger for the souls of children by taking them to Walgreens and introducing them to beauty products (laughs) as an alternative. (laughs) They hear lotion and they think potion, (laughs) and so they're into it, and they're just drinking lotions in Walgreens, and all the lines that came out of that were really funny.
1: Yeah. And they think there's this one, uh, you know, those like face masks that you put on that are really thin and yeah. it makes you look terrifying when you put it on. <laughs> um, they thought it was a, a face of a baby. <laughs> <laughs> they were eating it. That and it honestly
0: felt like they were almost improv It was, it, and I thought yeah, those moments where it true. felt like, you know, the actors really got some t- space to play. Mm-hmm. Um, that really worked. And, uh, yeah, so I thought like I agree with you. I think that the the comedy played for me in this, insofar as like it ma- it matched the pitch of the original, which is that it was silly, it was mm-hmm. zany, cartoony. You, you know what you're getting into. It's 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 a it's a fun witchy Disney movie. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, but it doesn't. I thought it, I thought it had that.
1: It doesn't have the same. Um, is it just a different type of comedy though? It's not. I think the comedy in the first round was more adult.
0: A little. Not all. I mean, there's still a lot of, like, hitting the, each other, like, very Three Stooges in some parts. Um, and there and there still was some of that. I yeah. also really liked the plot device. Like, I thought the mechanisms of the plot, like, how the witches come back and where we get from point A to point B, it was efficient. I, I didn't get stuck in anything. I didn't sit there wondering, mm-hmm. well, that doesn't make sense. I mean, not that I would even suggest trying to, like, apply that kind of critical lens to a movie like this in the first place, mm-hmm. but... Because um, you're kind of missing the point, I think of, yeah. of, a, of a fun piece of entertainment. Like in in this case, I liked it in terms of that clarity and, and efficiency. Um, I, I dug that a lot. There is there was a lot more music in this, and I thought that was hit or miss. So while we're still talking about the things that we liked, I will say I really liked the musical number in the festival where there's like a flash mob scene that that results from it. And the choreography in that I thought was exciting, and overall I liked the message of the film. It was like you know, it was an empowering movie. I liked, I like, I liked its focus on female friendship. So yeah, so those those are the aspects of the movie that I appreciated um, as a viewer.
1: Yeah, I also agree that the female friendship, a theme was, it was really spot on. I thought, and just in terms of feeling a feeling distance from a friend and the miscommunication and, you know, just how some of your friends can develop a little sooner and they're into things that maybe you weren't into and your interests diverge and how you navigate that and, and hurt feelings, but really wanting to come back together and, and be close and that that still, that thread is still there and wanting to repair that felt very genuine to me. And, the, the way it resolved, I thought that was genuine as well. Uh, the modern technology, because I know that was big in the original, like how the how the witches um, are, are navigating a bus, for example, or um, the, in, the intercom in the school, just like really modern technology and just the, the laughs that come from it. I thought that was hit or miss. We're talking about things that were hit or miss that I liked and I didn't like. Uh, when they were going to Walgreens, and the automatic doors, because I I think there probably were automatic doors in the 90s. I don't want to be that person, but I, I that kind of felt flat for me. But I love the Roombas. Mary is flying on on the Roombas, and then the Enchanted Forest set. I don't know, Matt, if you felt the same way, but when they're lighting the the black flame candle in the Enchanted Forest, the set had the same quality as the original. It felt like really re- nostalgic the way the the moon looked; it didn't seem overproduced. You know how some reboots can just feel they don't have the same look as the original movie, and that's what you want sometimes. Did you feel that way too?
0: I did. Yeah, I thought I thought the sets had a good amount of detail while still maintaining that kind of fantasy gauze to them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I did like the the wooded uh, set quite a bit.
1: Yeah, it it, it um, if you're looking for that nostalgia factor, I think that set in particular will hit the spot.
0: So let's shift gears a bit to, you know, things that we that didn't quite hit with us, and it's always complicated because we know that it's almost a little unfair applying a, you know, our adult lens to a movie like this when we are giving the original so much more credit because of the time that it hit us in, because something I consistently hear about Hocus Pocus is that people who didn't watch it when they were young are kind of mystified at the appeal. Mm. Even though I personally feel like I do kind of believe that if I saw Hocus Pocus for the first time as an adult, I would still like it a lot, same. That's I've also known plenty of people who are adamant that, you know, that is the case for them and they really don't get it. So maybe that's the case for this, maybe some of the, the you know, the or even just, you know, living up to the expectations of everyone and what they expect to be in the sequel. It's, it's a tall order. So I am sensitive to that, and you know it was it was not an easy task like taking on something that's become quite beloved for so many people. That being said, I did feel like this sequel m- was missing that tinge of menace that the original had, and I think that edge. I mean, let's let's be real; these women killed children; they are scary. And I thought, even though they were very silly in the original too, they were definitely cartoonish. That pursuit while they're chasing you know, our heroes in the first one, it felt like there were stakes. Like we we knew what they were trying to do. We knew that those witches could not capture any souls that night or else they would be able to stay, mm-hmm. right? So it was very clear what the mission was and what was at stake. They were kind of scary by virtue of how they set them up as being very capable mm-hmm. of murder.
1: (laughs) Yeah, call it what it is.
0: Yeah, and they're villains. They're truly they're fun to watch. They're entertaining. But the the movie never loses sight of the fact that they're they're villains. And I do feel like the sequel, you know, it picked up on the fact that like, well, everyone loves the Sanderson sisters. So let's soften them up a little bit because, you know, everyone loves them. It kind of, to me, I think, took a little bit of the edge off them, which to me was important as their character. Like, I feel like that the edge and the scariness and the cutthroatedness, even toward the way they interacted with each other, was part of the appeal in the first place. And with that kind of gone in order to reinterpret these characters as kind of funny, almost anti-heroes in their own weird way, um, especially as we contextualize them and their childhood trauma, I don't know if that worked for me. I was like, I kind of was like, can we just keep them villains?
1: No, I agree. (laughs) For fun. I didn't really... (laughs) I didn't want the childhood trauma because that would automatically make me sympathetic. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's what it would be in the back of my mind. And I don't want that in the back of my mind when I'm thinking of the Sanderson sisters. I want me going back to when I first saw them where I was legitimately terrified of them. Mm-hmm. Even when they, in the first movie, when they pop in into Max's room, uh, I believe it's Sarah Jessica Parker in the closet and we think that we're safe and then she pops out.
0: Yeah, and that that was it's, such, it's, it's a legitimate jump scare. It's
1: a little bit jump. Yeah, it was, it's so terrifying, legitimately. And we, I don't think we had any of those moments really in the this film. I think the closest we got was when maybe a cat would be taken yeah. out, uh, which is another thing. I really thought that cat something was going to happen with it. We're going to go. I don't know if that's spoiling, but I thought something was going to. That was gonna. Something was gonna come of it. Maybe a character. Sometimes
0: a cat is just a cat.
1: Sometimes a cat is <laughs> just a cat. My mom's like, what are what's he, what they, they doing with that cat? I'm like, that's, what we thought it was gonna. Thing it's gonna happen with it, but that's neither here nor there. So yeah, I, I agree that that ominous feeling, the spookiness. That's going back to what I said about the jokes. The jokes that being more adult. What I was thinking of in that moment was that scene where the Medusa, where she's dan- slow dancing with. Um, um, in the in the living room and you know they're having kind of a, a sexual <laughs> moment i guess i don't know and yeah that's what i'm thinking of. that was so funny and hilarious and you know she gets kicked out of the house and that's what i was thinking of and i, I think they're just trying to play to a wider audience they can't mm-hmm. have the same level of more adult jokes they can't make it as scary because you want to have parents be able to turn it on for their kids and walk out of the room and do whatever they have to do, like just so they don't, you know. I think that's a big part of why the meals was scary.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I do think there were a couple of things that they threw out for adults to understand that I think that would go over the kids' head. There's there is a uh, a joke about being a virgin that I think mm-hmm, was pretty good. That's
1: true. Uh,
0: you're right. I think I think they were maybe trying to broaden it out too much. And some of the appeal of the original is the kind of campy specificity of that original and its sensibility. And in general, I, you know, I think if there's one big fault of this film for me, it was that it was a little, and I get this instinct, like we want to, we want the greatest hits. And honestly, we have ourselves to blame for this. And I, I do blame audiences for this <laughs> because this is what the kind of, this is the kind of thing that people give feedback on when they get surveyed about movies that they see. And they want to say like, well, it didn't have the same jokes. It didn't have the same musical numbers. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's the enemy of art. It's like <laughs> our progress, like time moves forward. People, sorry. Like, you're, yeah. you know, when you're doing the same thing over again, it's actually not interesting.
1: That's and I felt
0: like there were, you know, moments here where they, Gave a little bit too much fan service. It was like too many musical numbers, um, too many of the same jokes, re-delivered again, not even in any, any kind of clever way, but in like a straightforward, like hey, we did it again, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, I understood why they did it. I and, and honestly, as I was even encountering like in the wild Twitter comments here or message board comments there, People were like, there should have been more of that. And so there's like there are, you know, people seem to be clamoring for like the same original flavor. And that's not what I like personally. Like I, I I like I like when that's can be authentically delivered to me again, but I think that there's something also special about the reunion of these people making something new together. And I thought that was kind of a missed opportunity. If if any company's been burned by this more than any other, it's Disney, you know, I think they learned firsthand from Star Wars fans, like <laughs> God forbid you do anything original um or else you will be completely cast out and criticized. So we have ourselves to blame for this, but it still frustrates me that there was so much fan service.
1: Yeah, and on the topic of fan service, I think that they highlighted Winifred's character too much to the point where she overshadowed um Sarah and and Mary. I felt they were a bit muted. I don't recall as, as many one-liners or feel, I didn't feel their presence as much because I think Winifred is such a popular character. They put her front yeah. and center.
0: I thought Mary was a bit more present. They even made her a little scarier. In a, like, Catherine and Jimmy was like growling more at people <laughs> than even in the original. She did that a little bit in the original. Let's talk about Sarah Jessica Parker because I, I love Sarah Jessica Parker. She's so brilliant in the first Hocus Pocus yes, as the is. ditzy bombshell sister. Excuse me for sounding too critical, but I thought that maybe she was, it was a little phoned in from That's her. That's how I felt. i, I she was It's connected. like she didn't quite know how to approach it again or something. Like she missed the kind of flirtiness and playfulness that Sarah had. The spark was gone. It was and-
1: gone. Speaking of distracting, I don't know if this is the right <laughs> accent, but um, Billy Butcherson...
0: Oh, that Cockney accent? Cockney
1: accent. I was like, what is this? It was so terrible, so distracting. Went In and
0: out. Yeah, no. We don't need Billy Butcherson talking. We don't. Uh, Winifred was right to sew that mouth up. Uh, (laughs) And
1: even in the the flashback, I don't think, because we finally get to see Billy Young and who he really was, and I don't think he had a Cockney accent in that scene. He did
0: not. No, (laughs) he did not. It's so bizarre. It's, it's, It's inexplicable. It's quite a choice. It is.
1: Like, yeah, it can really take you out of the movie, a small detail like that. And that's, I feel like it comes across as overly critical, but it pulls it pulls me out. Now I'm so distracted by the accent and the eyebrows. I can't yeah. think of anything else.
0: Final thoughts, I guess. Overall, <laughs> the feeling I'm left with is like, it could have been worse. <laughs> and I really did love seeing these actors reunited. Um, I I did laugh a few times. I was entertained and while I have quibbles, I think overall it was a sweet piece of Halloween candy and I'm grateful that they made it happen in the first place. So
1: yeah, um, I'll glad, take what
0: I can get. I'm glad you mentioned
1: <laughs> grateful. Cause I think that's a big piece of it here is that I'm sure they got it paid a handsome sum to reconnect, but they didn't have to do it. Uh, I, I believe the main motivation was for the fans because it's been mm-hmm. such a persistent cry and they answered it. And we have to be, be thankful for that. The fact that I was even sitting on the couch on a Friday night, enjoying it. Yeah.
0: And, and, and the experience of getting to watch this with friends and revisit these characters, yeah. that was truly a delight. It was and So story. I'm very, I'm, I'm grateful to the film for bringing those characters back and to giving us all a chance to, uh, gather with our friends and relive our childhoods. Yeah, even and, if it doesn't quite line up to our expectations.
1: Yeah, and, and meeting <laughs> and meeting new characters and have the yeah. be a richer story. So I, I enjoyed it overall. Agreed.
0: There's our our little uh, critics corner for Hocus Pocus critics Two. Corner. I would love to hear your thoughts on mm-hmm. Hocus Pocus Two. I'm I'm interested in discussing it. Uh, I'm sure you all have your own opinions as well. Go ahead and join the conversation. I know even Julian's like shaking her head at me, like, oh my god.
1: No, 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 like wiggling in excitement, not shaking. I'm like, oh yeah,
0: share
1: your That's thoughts.
0: That's such like a social media hack way to say things. Like join the conversation. <laughs> but seriously, like you can uh, we have I'd love to hear your thoughts check us out at all things cozy podcast on Facebook and on Instagram. But Facebook, the Facebook group in particular is where we have a lot of our yes. conversations. So check us out there and let us know what you think. And
1: it's a safe place to have conversations. No one's gonna yes. get mad.
0: No. While we watched, and while you watch, if you do, do you want to re-watch or if you're inspired to go check out the film after our discussion, uh, we have some bewitching brews to recommend to you, some, some cocktail recipes. Jillian's taking a sip of hers right now. While she's mid-sip, I'm going to go ahead and dive into my creation. I know I wanted to make something Hocus Pocus themed, and indeed, when I had some friends over to watch Hocus Pocus 2, I made this for them. I went to uh, the site called The Crafty Cask Mm. that had three drinks, each one for each Sanderson sister. So there was the Winifred, Sarah, and Mary. I shared it with my husband, whose opinion really matters because he's, you know, my partner in crime and we're having cocktails. So I need to know that he will enjoy it too. And so he picked the Sarah. So that's what we made. And I'm glad he did, because it was very simple. <laughs> yes, gotta go for simple. And pretty magical looking. And so here's the recipe. It really is just a gin ricky with butterfly pea flower gin.
1: Mm. And
0: that butterfly pea flower gives it a purple hue. So it's purple gin. And it, what a magical color. It looks like you're it's drinking really a potion. It's beautiful. And it's so simple. All you do is you get your glass, fill it up with ice, put in a shot, or if you're me, make it a double. Then you add like maybe a like half a shot of lime juice, top it with soda water, and add a little lime slice for garnish. And the the result is this poppy purple and green look. Ooh. And what's great is that the, the butterfly pea flower gin, this is my first experience with this type of gin. I didn't know about it before, but then I started talking to other people like, oh yeah, that? I'm like, okay, I, I missed the memo. I guess everybody was drinking butterfly pea flower gin, and then I was in a cave somewhere. I don't know. What it does is it's a pretty deep purple by itself. But when you add acid to it, it changes color. And so the acidity of the lime juice makes it turn into this like very soft purple that is reminiscent of the color of like Sarah's dress and stuff. So when you're adding it, like the the lime as it kind of coalesces, the bottom kind of makes it two different tones swirling together. And so it looks quite magical. While at the end of the day, this is a very simple... If you like gin, you'll like this. It's just a gin, gin and soda. <laughs> That's all it is. Um, it has the flair being uh, kind of this multi-hued purple that looks really magical.
1: Yeah, and I know exactly what you're talking about. There's this um, iced tea I like to get in this coffee shop in my neighborhood, and it, it's the butter, pea, flour, something. No, it's not gin, and they mix it mm-hmm. with lemonade. And so it has two different tones and it always looks so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so as an alcoholic beverage for a fun night watching Hocus Pocus with your friends, it seems like a perfect pick. And I love how simple it is because these Halloween cocktails can be so involved. I mean, even the ice cubes that have the smoke coming from it. It's like, I don't have time for that. I can't do that.
0: Half the recipes really just boiled down to put some dry ice on it yeah. just so that it looks like it's a smoking cauldron um mm-hmm. or there was a lot of apple um stuff like poisoned apple apple this and maybe i just as a a college student i had too many apple teenies, and You're the idea of an apple well, does, does that take you back i feel like that's a did you did you have that experience
1: the only thing that takes me back is fireball and I can't go fireball. down that road.
0: <laughs> so when I was in college, I drank way too many um screwdrivers mm-hmm. and uh apple teenies. I think these it's it's kind of like the you know, when someone starts drinking coffee and they start with just a lot of cream and sugar. Yeah like it's they're they're childish drinks.
1: Yeah, they are because actually Jay, uh, my partner, can't drink apple teenies anymore and she thought she was the fanciest she said when she was younger. It was bringing you back to that. She said she would order an apple teeny and she yeah. thought she was so fancy. Oh. Right,
0: but really, you, you put your You're order. You're exposing like, yourself. Okay, child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's here's your Shirley Temple. Um. Yeah. So, <clears throat> as a result, I think I've I just I have just barfed up too many apple teenies to have an apple based cocktail sound good to me. Unless it's like more of a spicy like um, apple pie mm-hmm. perspective that I can get behind, but the sour apple. I can't do it.
1: Yeah. And also what I love about this is it's not too sweet. So many Halloween cocktails overloaded with sugar or they want you to throw some candy in for no reason or they (laughs) want you to throw in um, those fake fangs. I saw that in a lot of drinks. Like I don't want to be looking at fangs when I'm, you know, sipping my cocktails or some googly eyes or whatever. I just (laughs) want to have my drink, Uh, which brings me to my drink. I, so I had the same problem where I just couldn't find anything that was simple. I It's just too good those ingredients are so hard. So I was going through recipe, through recipe, through recipe. And I landed on Red Wine Dragons. It's a website. And they have a cocktail that's really simple. It's called Witch's Potion Margarita. So without thought bring some California into it. Uh, you know, it's hot here still, So... Um, what's better than to pull down while you're watching your movie with a margarita that's
0: fun and similar? It's really pretty. Yeah, it's purple. Yes, yeah, I love that. There's like a blue um, salt around the rim. It's a really pretty color combination.
1: Yes. And so I had to order, I did have to give some ingredients the sanding sugar because you mix it in with the salt. So you mix in your blue sanding sugar, your purple sanding sugar with the coarse salt. And then you obviously rub your lime around the rim and then you put it all together. And has a, it's a really pretty rim with the blue and the, and the purple. But um, as I told Matt, I accidentally bought two pounds of purple sanding sugar. So I'm going to say this.
0: If you need any sanding sugar, Jillian's address is. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: actually, I was going to say this is my ha- Halloween gift. If anyone is a baker or anything like that I will send it to you for free. I'll pay for shipping. Cause I just don't have any need for this. I could beat someone over the head with it. That's how heavy it is. And I just don't, I never use purple sanding sugar. So <laughs> if you want it, please get in touch, message me and, and and I will send it to you. Um, my Halloween, uh, present to you. Uh, Cause I barely used any of it. Only, only a <laughs> teaspoon. That's how much it required. So, um, but yeah, it, it was, it was fun. It, all it has in it is tequila, uh, you have raspberries, blueberries, and blackberries, and you muddle them, and then you, you you strain them, mix it all together, pour it over ice, and there you have it. And then to complete it, you have your blue soda. And so I had some trouble finding blue soda. That will give it its purple hue. But Matt, you can kind of see it's a little, it's still a little purple. It's just... My mom didn't have a, a proper strainer, so uh, yeah, I'm at my mom's house. It's more
0: talked... of a deep purple; it almost looks like a blood color. <laughs>
1: yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna redo it when I get to the big old bad city, uh, city NYC mm-hmm. and find myself some blue soda. and I think it would make it a little bit lighter. They they recommend that you put it in this little potion bottle, which I did pick up. So it looks like a pretty scene. So you would pour your blue soda into your margarita to give it that that sweet sweetness and to make it fold and stuff. So it's, it's cute. I, I can imagine a witch's margarita bar with the potion yeah. bottles of soda and it was fun and easy and simple. Didn't take me long. So um, that's what we're going for here. I think with our festive cocktails, simple,
0: hundred percent pretty, and it does look really pretty and it's a fun recipe. Yeah. You can get both of our recipes uh, by checking out our show notes in the podcast description with links to both the witch's brew by the crafty cask and the Witches' Potion Margarita by Red Wine Dragons. Cheers. Cheers. We have our drinks. Let's celebrate with some magical music. Jillian, what song is putting a spell on you this Halloween season?
1: Well, I wanted to go with a the theme of witches. So I did my research and homework, and I have found there's actually... Not enough songs about witches that I don't think are related to a man being like, you put a spell on me, oh you you be, you bewitching impstress, oh like making us it, it, I don't know. The way it, the, these men talk about women in the in the analogy of witches, I just don't, I don't like it. It's too much for me. Uh so <laughs> you're gonna
0: love my pick <laughs>
1: you're vixen with it. You. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy so I chose Witch's Song by Marianne Faithful it came out in 1979 and what's funny is in 2021 I didn't realize she reinterpreted the song and you can also listen to it it's not the option I chose it has more depth and weight the the reinterpretation what I love about both the old version and the new one is it's about female friendships or just friendships in general and the strength of that and how coming together can be really powerful and she encapsulates it in, in this song but also with lyrics that touch on the spookiness of the season and great great visuals and some some lyrics I'll point out after we we take a listen but let's check in right now with witches' songs by Marion Faithful.
0: It really paints a picture um, of these women meeting and sharing their their joy and their burdens.
1: Yeah, and I love the line, danger is a great joy. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that just encapsulates everything.
0: Yeah, it, it has a really great energy and force to it.
1: It does. What it, what it uh, put a spell on you?
0: All right, my song choice kind of came to me randomly as I was also searching for... I I, I listen to a lot of songs that reference witches or about witches. Me too. And I know I've shared some on this show before. This one I just, like, stumbled on. And I love a hokey, embarrassing, Mm -hmm. silly song. Especially if it's kind of retro. And this is definitely fitting that bill. It's called My Girlfriend is a Witch by October Country. It was from the self-titled album October Country released in 1968 it's the only album this band made i presume their band name is is after the ray bradbury book so let's take a listen to my girlfriend is a witch by october country It's super jaunty yeah. and silly and I I think it immediately puts me into the Halloween spirit.
1: It feels like I'm zipping on my broom. That's the, <laughs> that's the that's the energy it has. It is very jaunty yeah. and fun. I like it a lot and it's not the I don't think it has the same sentiment as the the other um lady witch I I'm so yeah. obsessed quality. It's just fun and I, yeah, I like it. It's a good pick.
0: Today, um we have a very special candle to we're very focused on our episode <laughs> this Halloween. And to continue the Hocus Pocus Palooza, Goose Creek Candles came out with a line of branded Hocus Pocus 2 candles. There are like a dozen options if you go to their website in all sorts of different uh, scents. And because I know what I like and what Jillian likes, I decided mm-hmm. to pick one that would resonate with us and not make us go, ew. <laughs> And so I picked brew potion, and this is how they describe the candle. They say, because witches create so many potions for all sorts of purposes, singling out individual potions can be a challenge. We took our inspiration for this special Hocus Pocus 2 candle from the idea that an earthy potion that would create a spooky, outdoorsy atmosphere. Our brew potion combines the scent of patchouli with notes of graveyard mist, white woods, and a touch of moss for your aromatic enjoyment and it comes in this delightful green glass case with a nice circular hocus pocus two logo on the front so you're you know you're celebrating the part of the hocus pocus two um train coming through the station
1: (laughs) oh it's stunning i love how when it's it's burning that you can see the outline of the, the drawings kind of light up is that mm-hmm. how it works? If I'm yeah, sorry. no,
0: exactly. So, it, it, you know, these drawings of crystals and candles and hourglasses kind of come through um, as as you burn the candle. Yeah.
1: It's awesome. I love that design of it.
0: I'm definitely getting the patchouli. And it is, there is a woody quality to it. It does kind of give that mm-hmm. sort of, um, there's almost like an evergreen, like pininess to mm-hmm. it, I want to say. But it, yeah, I think this, really does capture a an enchanted woods kind of vibe like you're out in the woods and you smell something a little a little earthy and it's it pulls you in and smells a little dangerous at the same time
1: Ooh, well that fits well with brute potion then
0: i like it i I would give this a wick up
1: i know they also had didn't they have one that was enchanted forest or is it something similar.
0: I I think they did have enchanted forest. Yeah. Um, It's
1: interesting. It's giving you foresty vibes.
0: Yeah. I think it's maybe the, that moss and white woods element. There's definitely like a a wood scent that's coming through.
1: Would you buy it again?
0: I would buy it again. They're also really affordable. Right now they're on sale for 11 bucks each on the, on the website. Well, there
1: we can hand over fist. I'm sure over there at Goose Creek,
0: and it's a big candle.
1: Yes, that's what's gonna say. You would think something like this, which was it's the official Hocus Pocus, would be way more expensive, but that is not the case here.
0: It has almost like an amber scent. It's like it's like I almost want to call it like patchouli and pine.
1: Hmm. <laughs> it's just a scent that I'd be drawn to.
0: Yeah, it's a full scent. I I, I dig it. A lot of the scents seem sweeter, which we so be like. be aware of that. Yeah. But if you dig that, if you like or if you like food sense, they have a lot of food options.
1: Yeah, they have a lot of options in general.
0: Anyway, Goose Creek got the brand branding. They won the Hocus Pocus 2 contract. If you want a Hocus Pocus 2 themed candle, go check them out. A link is in the show notes to this candle and then you can check out the other ones too.
1: Their holiday party must be banging this year. <laughs> they made the money. <laughs> Bonuses right. for everyone.
0: Time to form a calming circle as we close out today's um, special Halloween episode. Before we kick off on our brooms, we do have a few shout outs to share. First of all, welcome and a huge thank you to our new Patreon members, Catherine, Jody, Steve, and Claw Central Shop, which has a bunch of adorable and festive items at clawcentral.com. Thank you all for supporting our show and joining our Patreon.
1: Yeah, and we also got a new five-star review with written commentary, which... Always puts a step in our pep, love in our heart. Step in our pep. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I Pep in our step, love in our heart. And this time it comes from Jody H. And Jody says, I began listening recently on the recommendation of a friend. I was looking for something to help me wind down at the end of stressful days. And I'm so glad to have found ATC. And I love having a large stock of past episodes waiting for me to enjoy. I've never contributed to a podcast before, but just signed up through Patreon. Thanks again, Jody. It's so worth it not to have to listen to any ads. Yep, we're unsponsored.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Matt and Jillian.
1: <laughs> really, Jody. that's such a sweet review. And the fact that a friend recommended to you makes it even sweeter because we just love the community here and word of mouth is always so cool because yeah, that's really our only only form of advertisement. Mm-hmm. It's just people like like you. So Thank you for giving us a review.
0: Thank you, Jody. And if you're interested in supporting the show as well, you can check us out at Patreon.com/slash All Things Cozy. Where you can sign up at three different levels. We have a two dollar level where you'll get a uh, stickers, magnets, and a personalized thank you note. You could join at the votive level, which is five dollars a month, and get access to our exclusive book club and episodes of us discussing our monthly picks. This month we'll be talking about Kitchen Witch. It's all about witches and kitchens, <laughs>
1: <laughs> food and folklore, and yeah, yeah. It's it, it's really it's. I've, I've skimmed through it, and it's so far, and it's just amazing. And um, I hope that everyone liked our first book
0: club. Yeah, yeah. Great. That's that's out already. So yeah. if you join, you'll get access to that immediately. And if you join at the pillar level, you can even get a mug with our a fall themed version of our logo, our our little all things cozy cat and swirling leaves. So if you're feeling moved to support the show check us out at patreon.com slash all cozy and there's a link in our show notes as i mentioned earlier we're also on facebook and instagram at all things cozy podcast thank you all for taking the time to join our coven today and listen to our show we hope you had a magical time we'll be sitting now with a special guest to talk about intuition and that will even involve us getting a reading ourselves so really excited about that check us out in a couple more weeks until next time Stay cozy. Stay cozy.